Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Indeed, a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday morning. Our Relief Network program with African Muslims Agency, Tuesday the 13th of June 2017, corresponding with the 18th of Ramadan, 1438 years. Aisha African Muslims Agency, um, we have Hafid Imran Chunara, National Director for MA, in studio with us, as well as joining us a little bit later will be um, Sheikh Ta'ad Talib. Hafid Imran, Assalamualaikum and a warm welcome once again. Alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Aisha, and to the listeners of VOC as well, always good to be on your show as well and shukran for having us once again you're most welcome i'm sure the ladies this time around are tuned in to listen to you last week you probably got the chance to listen to <laughs> yes, them yes yes of course <laughs> alhamdulillah they did fantastically well last week as well alhamdulillah shukran. alhamdulillah just for our listeners like you know just a brief um uh, synopsis once again um with regards to african muslims agency yes i think just a brief very very quick outline again yes. i think most of the listeners of course of voc alhamdulillah uh, are already donors of ours alhamdulillah and of course they already they 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 know of us as well already but i think just maybe for a minute of yeah. course, this year, alhamdulillah, we're very grateful to the Almighty Allah that we are now 30 years old. We started in 1987, alhamdulillah, so 2017 now being 30 years, alhamdulillah. That means 30 years of offices in South Africa and all over the continent of Africa in 29 different countries in Africa. So alhamdulillah, we have full-time staff members, more than 4,000. We have 160 school, schools in Africa, three universities, multiple clinics around, around Africa as well. But I tell you, the donors of the Western Cape specifically, I mean, it has just blown my mind. The more and more people that donate to the African Muslim Agency and what we do is always fascinating to me. I mean, just last month we had a donor from Cape Town who went to inspect one of his water wells in Mozambique, for example. And the footage that came back is incredible. So I tell you, from, from our perspective yes. of 30 years, I just, it, it baffles my mind to think how Allah has, through His mercy and blessing, allowed us to be part of this process with thousands, if not millions of people in the continent of Africa benefiting. And imagine the donors or the people who started this whole process. Yes. Incredible rahmah and mercy from Allah. Alhamdulillah. We know that Allah is the best of planners, Allah, but still you need to plan. And I think, you know, planning way ahead when we speak about 2017 and the mm. campaigns that's currently happening yep. as well. Just share those with our listeners and, you know, how you plan for the years as well. I tell you, you know, it's incredible. And you're, you're right. You know, Allah plans always, of course, but we have to plan. That's why He's given us the, sen- the, the brain and the intellect to understand. So we plan. And, uh, and of course, 2017 being the 30th year, uh, you know, just last year alone, you know, the, the donors of, of Southern Africa alone did over 1,060 water wells just in Mozambique and Malawi, for example. That's just one project. That's besides the masajid and the schools and the, and the Ramadan and the winter and all of that. So, of course, there's some things we can plan for and there's some things we can't plan for. So, of course, we plan for Ramadan. Ramadan is far time, of course, the feeding every single day that happens to over a million people in Mozambique and Malawi and South Africa, just, just from the South African office that happens around the Southern African region. 
that happens every single day throughout the month of Ramadan. So that obviously we planned in advance, obviously. We had to get food into remote areas of, of, of Africa and of villages in Mozambique and Malawi. Of course, we planned the masajid we're building. Of course, we planned the winter projects. But of course, we also plan, we, we send medical missions to Lebanon. We send medical missions to, to we're sending a mission to Turkey, inshallah, uh, in the next few months for Syrian refugees on the Turkish border, for specifically for cleft lip and palate surgery, specifically for helping children with, with, with difficulties with their hands being, being severed from, from their bodies and those kind of things as well. So those are planned projects. But then, of course, there's things that happen on the spur, like what's happening in the Western Cape at the mm-hmm. moment last week and what happened in Naizna. And it just mm-hmm. proves to us Allah's might again. That when we wanted water and we didn't have it, we couldn't make it. <laughs> and when it comes, you can't stop it. It's incredible. And of course, it shows Allah's rahmah, Allah's mercy, Allah's power, and it reminds us to bring us closer to Him. So those are unplanned. And of course, alhamdulillah, we're grateful that we are able to be one. We're not the only organization, of course. Nobody is the only organization or the biggest or the best. We're one of the piece of the puzzle of all the groups of humanitarian agencies that are coming to the rescue or to the aid of the people in the Western Cape and also the people of Naizna, of course. That's an unplanned project, of course. But alhamdulillah, donors respond because Allah blesses them. Alhamdulillah. You know, I'm, I'm just uh, thinking of the pledge lines also. Mm-hmm. And one, you know, wonders if you look at millions being um, pledged, yeah. um, you know, whenever there's a pledge yeah. line, subhanAllah. So indeed, the people are so generous absolutely and i think again it comes from our, from our deen again yes. is that we know that when you give allah whatever you give to allah in the in the path of allah is never an expense for you it is always an investment for you that comes back many many fold and i'm sure every donor's experience in their lives that when they give something when allah opens the doors of barakah in their lives mm-hmm. you can't imagine where it comes from because yes. you feel undeserving sometimes so it's incredible Amen, inshallah. With me in studio, we have Hafiz Imran Junada as well as um, Sheikh Saad, who has just joined us. That is Sheikh Saad Al-Talib. Sheikh, assalamu alaikum and a warm welcome. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, this morning we have the privilege of having you in Syria and we're speaking about, you know, your journey with African Muslims Agency. How far back does it uh, go? My journey with the African Muslim Agency is from inception in 1982. When Dr. Marhum, Dr. Abdurrahman al-Sumayt, Allah bless his soul and increase his place in the Jannah al-Firdaus, Ameen, established the African Muslim Agency beginning from Malawi. Malawi was the first playing ground of African Muslim Agency where I joined hand with Dr. Sumayt Marhum and all the founding members of the African Muslim Agency. And from that time, the journey never stopped. Inshallah, it will continue to the last breath of our life. Sheikh Saad, so we have the, the privilege of speaking to somebody who has been with African Muslims Agency since inception. And when you look back 30 years ago, how it all started with humility and the things that you've, uh, that's been done through the agency over the past years, can you just share that with our listeners as well? Well, I think the vision of the founders uh, were the most significant and important. And I think anybody and everybody who wants to achieve something in life, he should have a vision. And on that vision, he should build his mission and then he should uh, make his plan to achieve his vision and implement his mission too. So I think our vision was clear to serve Africa and to serve humanity in Africa and Muslim community in in more particular in Africa and to develop them and uh, bring them out of the uh, abject poverty, uh, low education, uh, low health standard, low living standard into a better standard. We could not just jump the gun and bring them right up to the to the highest standard, but I think step by step, we took them further from that level to now. What we can see today and what we were experiencing 30 years ago, I think it's a lifelong 
experience, lifelong journey, and a lifelong change of human standard. Subhanallah, when you speak about change, you also speak not just about, you know, going there, but also technology, advanced things has become as well, and how better, you know, uh, through advancement, things are getting for people as well. You see that, for example, when we used to write reports in those days, I used to sit down the whole night and with my uh, handwritten uh, reports on paper to write it down and to fold the paper and put it in an envelope and go to the post office the next day, send it by post. It will take two, three weeks to reach. Then they will respond to us and another two, three weeks to come back. So it was that slow. But the barakah, alhamdulillah, of this work was always there and... Uh, uh, Allah's mercy as Allah empowered Nabi Suleiman thousands of years ago Allah empowered us also to communicate the phone was available we used to communicate by phones with today technology I think today technology while it is easing our task of communication I want to give uh, perhaps a very strong responsibility and a strong perhaps warning to a Muslim community that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is testing them with this technology that they should use this technology and they must use this technology to enhance the mission of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on earth and to reach to the last kilometer of the globe. Inshallah. Sheikh mentioned earlier on, you know, to elevate the um, difficulties of the Muslim community back then, um, that was the mission basically as well. But when one looks at, you know, through, um, through your, your help to the Muslims, obviously there was this, uh, the, the, the people embracing Islam as well, because they've seen what has been happening, and you know, um, uh, what, what, uh, what has been happening in the, in the Muslim community. You see, our mission as Muslims, I believe personally is the easiest mission on earth to any other deen, any other ideology, any other philosophy, any other way of life. Simply because first and foremost is the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always give us the deen of the fitrah which suit the human being, he is the creator, we are the creation so basically we are fitting the will of each other. So therefore our deen is very clear. And whenever we talk about our deen, whenever we practice our deen, whenever we promote our deen, we find people are very much welcoming this deen and welcoming this way of life. And some of them really regret many years of their life. They didn't know it, they didn't practice it, uh, or they joined perhaps uh, other way of life. And now is the opportunity to come back to this way of life. And therefore, I always said that our first weapon of spreading the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the, that nature of this deen. That oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the, the uh, first and, and, and foremost significant of this deen, which suit the mind and the understanding of the, of, the, of the creation, of the creature that is the son of Adam, that he will be turning towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the responsibility, I think, on, on, the, on the Muslims is uh, unlimited and is enormous. And I think every Muslim brother and sister living on this globe, his first responsibility on this earth is to promote, spread this deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the deen of Tawheed, the deen of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah to guide the entire humanity. Is it, um, you know, possible when we speak about, you know, lots of men going, you know, into the villages with African Muslims Agency, are there women on these expeditions as well? Because we always see that, you know, women, they, they do things with the heart. <laughs> actually, actually <laughs> you, you bring up a very good point because actually uh, African Muslim Agency just sent a team just last month, about maybe six weeks ago now, to Malawi yes. uh, with Sheikh Saad and his wife as well. And uh, his wife Shiham actually was hosting them, hosting the, uh, a group of women 
from the office who went to inspect our projects because again you must remember when you move that heart of that woman and she comes back and shares with conviction what she saw children drinking out of water wells or boreholes or children eating uh, food they never had before and the joy of a mother that they see because of the children being able to eat uh, and feed because of donors and that woman comes back when she speaks to other people with conviction that's a very different ball game because us men speak from logic often. We speak from the logic behind it. She comes and she witnessed for herself the heart and the conviction. That's a very different level of, uh, of conviction when you talk about it. So Alhamdulillah, Sheikh Saad and, and his wife Shiham actually was, uh, was there in Malawi and hosted a group of women from the office to go and inspect the projects there, Alhamdulillah. I think if you go back also to the founding member or the founding, your original founder of the African Muslim Agency, Marham Dr. Sumit in 1982, he used to come to Malawi with his wife, Sister Nuria. Sister Nuria was always accompanying her husband and always she was supporting him. And when their children also grew, they used to come with their children and to expose them to their work in Africa and where today, alhamdulillah, all of them are the supporter of the of the Islamic work in Africa. So women played the role in Africa Muslim Agency from its inception until now. How, how big is Malawi and how many villages is it that you've been or how many is it that you still want to reach that you haven't reached? I think that's a question for Sheikh Saad. He's been <laughs> on the ground. He is probably, when you go into Malawi, yes. you can go into many, many districts and say the word, the name Sheikh Saad al-Talib, and I say this with humility, may Allah bless him. And, 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 and people recognize it. The local people recognize it. It's incredible. Look, geographically, Malawi, while it is a small country, but it consists of 55,000 villages. Now, if we talk about projects and to reach people, which means you have to reach to 55,000 projects. If it is a water well, you need 55,000 water wells. If it is a mosque, you need 55,000 mosques. If it is a school, you need 55,000 schools. And obviously, the effort of the government is very limited because they have limited resources, very, very limited resources. And they left most of the services of the people, they left it to the people themselves and their allies of organizations of different faith denominations ideologies uh, agendas perhaps so therefore here the freedom on the ground is quite big uh, while it is it is positive but also it has it is negative if we make use of it it's a positive if we leave it to others obviously going to turn into negative and the uh, wrong ideology wrong way of life wrong deen is going to come and take them over so therefore our responsibilities are quite big and it, it, will, it will definitely enhance the uh, communities at large in Malawi. Shahzad, you've, you've had a great influence you know, just listening to um, Hafid um, Imran now. So, um, with, with the you know, poverty comes lots of difficulty as well. And we're looking at Muslims, you know, and the Iman and, uh, you know, how to win people rather over to the religion of Islam instead of people reverting to Christianity. You know, subhanAllah, uh, poverty was uh, never a reason for a person to leave his deen. Uh, poverty was never an obstacle for someone to leave his tawheed of la ilaha illallah Muhammad yes. Rasulullah. Yes. If I always mention the Malawi, I always mention Mozambique. Obviously, Malawi and Mozambique are bordering a very wide border. In Malawi, they were the, the British colonizer. In Mozambique, they were the Portuguese colonizer who were Catholics. Now, the Catholic and the Portuguese colonization took over Mozambique over 600 years continuously. Now, imagine 600 years of spreading the colonialism and Catholicism. In spite of that, after 600 years, you go to Mozambique today, you'll find half of the nation is still Muslims. What amazing! 
while communists could not survive the entire world more than one generation that is just 70 years only 70 years with all it is might of weapons and politics and governments and armies and ideologies and intelligence and all kind of uh, human resources they were using they could not survive one generation and collapse islam 600 years under the colonization of portugal under the catholicism of of, of the faith survive that 600 years is that not a miracle from allah subhanahu Subhanallah. so now we get to the water well um you know projects that you also done you've mentioned you know she had mentioned fifty-five thousand, and you know one wonders you when you say earlier you said 160 <laughs> wells has been built already so there's a great uh, um, yes. shortage still um imran actually last year just to correct that figure well, last year was a thousand and sixty water wells okay in mozambique and malawi just from the south african donors so there's thousands around the continent of Africa and over the 30 years I mean it's incredible you can't measure it and you know alhamdulillah I tell you you know in some areas of Africa yes. boreholes are more needed in some areas of Africa water wells are more needed it just depends what is going on on the ground in some areas of North Africa or for example West Africa for example some of the very 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 dry areas like in Niger for example right now together with the with, the, with our other offices we're busy developing a water project there with solar powered water projects which go into the villages directly that's an incredible project alhamdulillah but in the southern part of Africa alhamdulillah the boreholes and water wells are a lot easier to construct as well where you can drill a borehole maybe 40 50 60 meters deep uh, and then put a pump on there and i'll ask Sheikh to to, to 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 elaborate on that in a second and of course in some parts of mozambique you can't get borehole drilling machines to the villages it's in the jungle and the villagers don't want to walk because they walk five to seven sometimes longer kilometers per day well per time to fetch water with buckets and they often take the young girls out of school to go and fetch water every single day so how much water can a young girl carry in a bucket mm -hmm. anyway and in the jungle when you can't get a borehole drilling machine into the jungle you can't expect these villages to walk long distances so they need water wells so in some areas like in some parts of Malawi boreholes are incredibly valuable and in some parts of Mozambique in the northern part of Zambezia province and alhamdulillah these water wells last incredibly long but I tell you what I want to hear from Sheikh Saad I want the learners year from Sheikh Saad because not only the, when I w go with him on the ground in Malawi what impresses me the most is that we can be driving through the village we can be driving through gravel roads whatever and he will know already okay we're coming up to a water well here that we dug maybe three years ago he's incredibly good with remembering dates as well we built this years ago five years ago ten years ago this borehole this masjid so maybe Sheikh Saad can share with us the value Sheikh Saad just before we check on the value you share the value you know one wonders when we speak about you know uh, building a well or a borehole you you want to people to become self-sustainable so does that mean that this provides them that opportunity to become self-sustainable you know I want the listeners to close their eyes for 19 seconds only 19 seconds close your eyes and answer this puzzle how many taps in your house how many taps in your house and I'm not using the word home because some of you have gardens outside the house some of you has uh, tanks some of you has uh, double taps showers abdas taps so please in this 19 second which i took half of it just to close you as and count how many taps perhaps five taps to ten taps or more that is the average or the least in in every house now imagine entire village not only they don't have taps that taps is out of a question out of history they don't have a source of water either they walk a distance to a river 
which may not give them a clean water. Now, don't expect that the river is flowing in a big way and they will have mechanism how to take the water. The river, there is just small stream uh, uh, flowing through the mud and the soil and the dust off of the ground and the bush. So it is not that too clean water and uh, healthy water to drink. And they don't have any capacity or facility perhaps to clean this water or purify it. But that would be the good source to take the buckets and walk away, uh, walk down the, 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 to their homes. So therefore to drill uh, and, or to dig a water well, for example, which only cost 12,000 rand, it was a long way for the village. And the entire village, which consists of maybe 50 houses, uh, each house say they have minimum of five people. So 250 people are taking water from the well. You must remember that people take long time to get water from the water well because of the long queues. Sometimes they agree that these few houses today, other few houses in the late in the day, other few houses the other day, they also it helped them to organize themselves as a community and get water well. As we talked about 55,000 villages, maybe half of them they don't have water wells or, or source of clean water. So we need to reach them and we want to reach as many villages as, as possible. And obviously we are trying to uh, keep a good distance between a water well and other in order for us that not to waste resources. Uh, back to the point of, of uh, uh, digging the water well, it's all done manually by hands. Everything is by hand. The real hands, which has five fingers, with normal small standard tools, they dig that uh, water well meter by meter. In fact, foot by foot, meter by meter, and they go down. Until when? Until the person feels that there is no more oxygen to breathe. Either he will be buried down or they have to pull him up. So obviously they have to pull him up. When the water at that distance, the water of course started to, to flow in most cases, in 99% of the cases. When the water started to flow, then, uh, then the oxygen is over at the, the bottom of the water well. Then he, they get up and then they start now building the bricks from inside up, uh, right up to the top and then they will seal it with a concrete cover and then they have a rope and a normal bucket to pull the water. Now our experience showed that the water wells is flowing throughout the year. In some uh, cases, very isolated cases, in the very dry season, maybe some of them may dry for one month or two and I think it's very normal. Here we are living in the most sophisticated and advanced city of Cape Town and there's a water restriction. Sometimes perhaps the municipality cut water to some uh, houses or some areas. Sometimes they gave us a certain rules and regulation not to use water in other uh, maybe perhaps uh, privileged areas or unnecessary area. Now to see in a very dry season, one month or two months the water well is out of of water is it's a reality is not uh, something uh, you know very bad or something it's a crime to have it and uh, on on top of that we as an organization of african muslim agency we follow our water wells our balls our entire project throughout the year and we give unwritten guarantee that any and every project of the donor it belongs to africa muslim agency on one hand and it belongs to the donor on the other hand and we guarantee the, 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 what you call it, the continuous running of the project, being a water well, being a borehole, being a mosque, being a schools. I mean, now we have, for example, uh, natural disaster of storms and winds, and perhaps many homes, many houses, uh, roofs have been blown, uh, besides some other damages. It can happen in Malawi, for example. Also, they have their storms over the years or during the season. Now, if the roof blown off the masjid, what, as African Muslim Agency, we do and what the donor must say? If the donor say, oh, you know, they didn't build my mosque uh, strong, and this is why the roof is blown, is that fair? Not fair. 
if we leave it like that and we say, oh, this belongs to the donor, we must not repair it, also is not fair. So I want to give the good news to our listeners and donors in particular that whenever natural disaster happens, while the strongest, biggest, largest insurers in the world, they always put in, the, in, in clearly that God's act is not being covered. That is a flood, that is a earthquake or other God's act is not being covered by the largest, biggest, richest insurance organization. We at Africa Muslim Agency, humbly we go to that particular project and repair that project, whether it is roof, whether it is the walls, whether it is the floor, and we restore it to its origin, and in fact it is much better. Because we take it as this is the project of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the donor had his intention to... to give his donation for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are the partner of the donors. We are both partners. We share the same responsibility. And in many cases, we don't appeal to the donors to pay us more for the repair because we feel that maybe they may not be able to afford it. We, alhamdulillah, through our generous uh, resources and donors and waqf, which, which we have, we try to cover such kind of costs without uh, uh, burdening the, the donors. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our donors and bless our organization, the Africa Muslim Agency, forever. Now, Sheikh had mentioned about the boreholes and also the wells, but Sheikh, one question, you know, when we speak about uh, economic growth, um, you know, with regards to the help of the boreholes and, and the wells, is that a great help? You know, when you have a source of water, basically you have created a source of life, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly mentioned in the Quran that Allah created everything from water. So therefore, when we have a source of water, people will have source of uh, agriculture, all the plants, it, they used to only depends on the rain. If there is rain, then they will eat. If there is no rain, then they have to fast. And that, they fast for 12 hours, like us, they're going to fast for 24 hours because they have no food. With the projects of the water wells and the boreholes, which Africa Muslim Emergency is campaigning for, for quite good some time and a good response from the donors, every village we have put a water well or a borehole, it has become self-sustained. We have not to worry about it because they will take that water, they will feed the animals. They'll take that water, they'll... Uh, what you call it, water their plants, just to sustain themselves. We are not talking about extra growth at this level. To sustain themselves is the first basic priority and basic necessity and basic need for the human being. The moment he sustains his life and he is now surviving, then we can go to the second phase where we have embarked on a special uh, agriculturist from Cape Town actually to be in Malawi and she is almost throughout the year she is there to train the people how to grow the food uh, in, in the most basic ways and the most organic way from the resources which they have and so far it's going very well alhamdulillah and uh, she has trained uh, hundreds of villages on that and some of them now they reach now the self-sustained uh, standard and now they started to sell the products actually now their product is being sought after people because the quality is good and some of the people are now started to become wealthier than before they started now to maintain their homes to buy bicycles which to us like a car to buy perhaps a TV where they can now see programs they put a solar panel uh, the size of, of a home where they can at least electrify their homes so there is a, quite a lot of growth happening from one project, which is a water well or ball, by just donating for this project, you are sustaining the entire village. SubhanAllah. So you we speak about skills development also happening on the ground as well. Absolutely. And I think also, Aisha, just to, to carry on with that thought as well, is that un another unintended benefit is that when you think about, we talked about earlier, how they take the young children out of school, and unfortunately they take the girls out of school mainly, and they let them do the water, fetching of the water with buckets all the time. Now when you put a water well there, there's no need for that girl to be out of school. There's no need for those young children to be out of school anymore. 
anymore. Now, if there is a school in the village, now the children can go to school. Mm. I mean, often they have to walk long distances, but the fact is you allow that possibility now for those children. They don't have to fetch water every day. It's right there in the village. <coughs> now they can go back. So now you educate. How are you ever going to grow Africa if you're not going to educate the young people? If their whole life they have to walk to fetch basic necessities to fetch water, or they have to do something like that their whole lives, and the next generation does the same thing. When are you going to grow them? When are you going to allow them to go to school? So you put that water well there, you have a multifaceted benefit to that village, as Sheikh was explaining. But remember, I want to say to the donor, what is the benefit for the donor? Allah is so merciful and so great that you can put multiple niyas with that donor. You can say, Allah, for my, for my children, for my elderly parents, for my deceased parents or grand, whatever the case is. And that's Sadaqah Jariyah, and Allah allows, because in Allah's world there is no recession. There is no global financial crisis. Allah can give multiple, He can multiply your benefit and your barakah. So the benefit to the donor, let alone the benefit to the community of multifaceted, the benefit to the donor can be in many, many areas of their lives. We can say, Ya Allah, I only have this money to give one water well or one borehole. But every time someone drinks, every time the thirst is quenched of a young child or a mother or an old woman who quenches the thirst, even if she doesn't know who gave the money, even if she doesn't make dua for the donor, Allah knows how she felt. And that alone, because her body is, ma is praising Allah. And when her body does that, Allah knows where to give the benefit to, inshallah. Whilst we were speaking about Malawi and uh, Mozambique, we also know that uh, right here we're having the storms and we're looking at the fires happening in Naizna. So we'll touch a little bit on that. But uh, first up, we'll touch on the iftar packs and also the iftar programs that's been hosted by MA as well. Absolutely. I think, Aisha, you know, it's uh, Ramadan time, of course, it's always a time of feeding, a time of fasting, a time of remembrance of Allah. And of course, you know, we always talk about the fact that, yes, you know, Muslims give more in Ramadan. We know the blessings, the barakah, of course. But ultimately, when you think about it, even even in Africa, when they don't have food, the whole, when I say food, they don't have meat, for example, the whole year. Some of these villages don't see meat the whole year. When it comes to Ramadan, what always fascinates me is the strength of the Iman. Because when you don't have, and now you are ordered by your Creator to fast. I mean, you feel like I've been fasting all the time anyway, but I must fast again. Yes. It's incredible. You and I, we eat for 300 and whatever days a year. We come to fast, okay, and then we still prepare so much for iftar. Allah's blessed us, alhamdulillah, and you bless your family, no problem. But think about those people. Now, of course, you know, in Mozambique and Malawi, so we have, you know, last year we calculated over a million hot meals were fed in Mozambique and Malawi over the month of Ramadan for iftar and, uh, and suhoor. And again, and, and, and we've seen footage and we've shown, you know, some of the donors footage as well of the feeding every single day and how it brings communities together. But Sheikh Saad will cover that because he was personally on the ground just a week ago uh, witnessing that to make sure the project goes. But before Ramadan, we have to send trucks into the villages. We've got footage of trucks going into mo northern parts of Mozambique because you've got to get the food there before Ramadan starts. You and I fill our freezers. My freezers couldn't close before Ramadan. Because you're filling it, because on the first day of Ramadan, you want to be ready with your children, want this and that, whatever the case is. And Alhamdulillah, that's good. But remember those people, so we had to send the trucks in there early. Then in South Africa, we have iftar packs. We handed over 10,000 iftar packs, which is enough food for iftar and suhoor. We handed thousands of Ramadan hampers, which is food for a family of four for the whole month, around Southern Africa. Here in the country, in South Africa itself. And because it's winter here, we put blankets in there as well. Subhanallah. just speaking about the iftar packs, and here we, we need to take note as well that, um, you know what, I might have an, at my home, um, somebody in Kailicha might have something different because we're looking at staple foods, what people, yep. you know, what, what their needs are. So it's important also to give them what satisfies them and not what you want to give. You know, I want to tell you the iftar program in Malawi, it's a daily festival 
It's a daily carnival. These people, they have not much entertainment throughout the year. They don't have the gadgets our children have and they play throughout the year. They don't have TVs. They don't have uh, any equipment or toys for their fa children and families. So they have uh, almost, they wait for Ramadan to come. And that festival, the daily festival and daily carnival is fascinate them and fascinate their children. As Hafiz Amran mentioned that I spend the whole week, the first week, I mean, of Ramadan, fully in Malawi and every day I witnessed how the people break their fast in so many villages. Now imagine every day the food being cooked in the village, people are helping each other to cook, people gathering firewood, people cleaning the food, people preparing the pots, people preparing the plates, the cups, children playing around, uh, waiting for that uh, great moment to come. Everyone comes, non-Muslims watching at a distance to see what the Muslims are doing and what this festival and carnival is happening. Time for Maghrib comes, people sit calm and wait for the Adhan. They raise their hands and they make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless whoever contributed to this carnival, whoever contributed to this festival, whoever contributed to this uh, delicious meal for, for them is going to be as simple as it may be. And with that dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it and open his Amen. mercy and his way to all the donors. Amen. Then when the Adhan takes a place, you see now the children now imitating the Adhan. Because now they are together, as they talk to each other, love to each other, either then they now they repeat after the Adhan. So they are learning the Adhan. After then again, people make salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi make the dua. That all goes on, onto the record of the donors who facilitated, or who was being the instrument and the cause of this meal to be cooked in that particular village. As people take the first meal, which is uh, consists of perhaps the porridge of, of as you talked about, the, the stable food or the food uh, which they are uh, used to, that is a rice with sugar and pinch of salt on a nice charcoal firewood, well cooked, well smoked, and it was really a delicious meal. I was having it uh, every day. After that meal, we give them a talk now. We give them little uh, teaching of the deen, little reminder of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, little tafsir of the Quran for about half an hour or so. And then just on time of Isha, the Adhan of Isha goes, they make the Isha Salah Jama'ah again. Now they are gaining now the Maghrib Jama'ah. Now they are gaining the Isha Jama'ah. All the thawab again goes to the donor who facilitated that meal. And then after Isha Salah, the eight rak'ah tarawih, which is uh, the minimum the, the tarawih they do in, in Malawi, and they used to it with the water, then they take another meal, and then now they shake hands with each other, they talk to each other, they laugh with each other, and they go back home happily. And in most cases, we give them some dry food uh, to cook it for the tsuhur, uh, uh, or for they need for other days. That consists also of the local uh, food and local uh, uh, product which they have, the beans, the rice, the maize, and then we add little sugar, little oil sometimes for them to help them and encourage them to continue their month. Now, on a daily basis, this is happening. And in, some, in a simple calculation, Hafiz uh, Umran is not exaggerating to say a million meal is being cooked uh, uh, in, in, in Ramadan. In simple calculation, every day, there is 50 mosques being run this uh, program in, yes. in Malawi alone. Now, minimum 100 people come to the mosque. So simple calculation, 50 times 100, that is a 5,000. It's a simple calculation. In, in one area only. Now imagine if you count now all other areas and yes. you count the highest uh, or biggest place of Mozambique, you will come to more than a million for, for sure. So I want just our donors to rest assured that 
their money is going in a big way. Amen. And there's so much baraka in, 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 in the iftar that we, 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 we uh, cook iftar for 100 people, sometimes double the number of comes. It's still food, subhanAllah, there for everybody. Subhan- Nobody goes back hungry. Alhamdulillah. Um, just before we run out of time, um, Hafiz Imran, just share you are feeding once again this evening. Yes. And also for our donors, how can they sponsor? Yes, of course. I mean, just this evening alone, I will be, we'll be joining another organization here locally in Cape Town as well, in Kalicha, for example, and inshallah, in the next... Uh, a couple of weeks as well, inshallah, because we do that. We try to partner with the small organizations here locally. Alhamdulillah, we're doing incredible work on the ground to be able to help feed as well, just here around the corner in Kailicha, for example. But of course, the donors can contact our office, of course, here in Cape Town, uh, in Belgravia Road, 22 Belgravia Road, opposite Wembley, of course. Uh, that's 699-0545. That's Cape Town, 699-0545. Or, of course, our website, africamuslimsagency.co.za. And sponsor Village for Iftar Asylum. Sponsor, get your family together. Sponsor the last 10 days. It's 3,500 to sponsor one village with a whole village for Iftar and Suhoor. Maybe get some family members together. Put some money together. Imagine sponsor the 27th evening of uh, Iftar. Maybe the last 10 nights. Maybe the odd nights. You choose. You decide what you want to do. What's, what's right for your heart. And connect it to a dua, to an intention with Allah. That Allah bless your family. Mm-hmm. And why would you not only get the benefit of your fasting but the fasting of people who are fasting most of the year anyway but they're fasting and you get the benefit of that because you help them break their fast as well so we encourage donors to donate contact the the, the office go to Belgravia Road opposite Wembley 699-0545 or the website inshallah shukran shukran so much Hafiz Imran Chunar as well as to um, Sheikh Zata Talib um, all the success inshallah Afan, Afan, shukran, Aisha. you're welcome